0: We're gonna be in Colossians. Uh, I'm right there with Tammy. What she's saying. I think this book is just chock full of fantastic things. Uh, we only have two more weeks left in it, so I wish that the book was longer. But if I'm being completely honest, we have a whole Bible, so <laughs> there is more that we can read and learn. Um, how many of you have ever gotten an MRI? Yeah, kind of a lot of us. Okay, now how many of you were asked if you had any like metal in you when you went to the MRI? right? Like, I mean, hope so, uh, to be completely honest, because the way the technology works is that MRI is actually a giant magnet. And so if you do have anything metal or uh, that could be magnetized, it can uh, cause problems either if it's in your pocket or inside your body or whatever it works. Um, Here's, here's why I'm saying that. I don't know if many of you know this, but I didn't always want to be a pastor in college. I studied chemistry and I worked in a lab and they had this massive machine called an NMR machine, nuclear magnetic resonance uh, a machine. And it's the same technology as an MRI. It essentially uh, it, like lines up all your molecules in a magnetic way and it allows you to identify uh, things in, in very precise ways that you can't with other tools. Fantastic. I remember when I was you know, like freshman, sophomore, and I'm walking into this room, and they've got this massive machine, um, and they said, Okay, now be careful. Do you have any metal on you? We need to like take your cell phones out, take, take everything there because this is a massive magnet and, and it will pull uh, metal into it. I tried to find a safety guide, but I found uh, this one from Columbia University on their website. It says about their NMR machine. Magnets will exert large attractive forces on equipment or other magnetic objects when brought close. The force may become large enough to move the equipment uncontrollably towards the NMR magnet. Small pieces of metallic subjects, wrenches, screwdrivers, may become projectiles. Large equipment, gas cylinders, can cause bodies or limbs to become trapped between the equipment and the magnet. Keep in mind the following. The closer to the magnet, the larger the force. The larger the mass, the larger the force. Remember, superconducting magnets are always on. Um, That's essentially what I heard when I walked in this room, and there was this uh, healthy amount of respect and fear for this massive magnet, but also some curiosity, like, well, what happens if, you know, (laughs) I had like a tiny little nut or something like that, and um, there's actually YouTube videos you can look up on MRIs or NMR machines and see what happens, um, and they become projectiles. I'm I'm not kidding. Uh, Here's the thing: We're gonna talk not about magnets, believe it or not. Paul didn't didn't address that, uh, but he's gonna apply everything we've learned about Colossians, who we are in Christ, this new life. To culture, And I view culture as that powerful force in the center of the room that whether we realize it or not, it's pulling us towards it, almost like this magnet where we have to be careful in order to make sure we're not being pulled in ways that we don't want to be pulled, the same way that this safety element talks about uh, with, with the NMR machines. Uh, but Paul, when he's talking about culture, he doesn't talk about how strong culture is. You know, you've heard that old adage, uh, like Peter Drucker is apparently said to have said it, that culture eats strategy for, for breakfast where, you know, you can have the best plans, the best strategy for your company, but if your culture isn't in line with it, you won't be able to realize what those plans have. Uh, That's how powerful culture is, but Paul sees something else as even stronger, and that's this life in Christ, where when we talk about how life in Christ, this new us, this new creation that we've been becoming uh, through Jesus uh, that actually bends culture toward it. And so we're going to look at practical applications where how do you live this out in your everyday life in cultural, social settings around us? Uh, what does it look like if those things were pulled and shifted towards a life in Christ? All right, we're going to be in Colossians chapter three. Uh, we're reading a relatively short section uh, but it's very much connected to last week. So I'm going to read the, fr- the last verse we talked about last week in uh, Colossians 3, verse 17. Oh, you guys put it up there. And then we're going to go to the first verse in uh, chapter 4. Uh, we'll have it up on the screen or follow along, follow along uh, with, your, with your ears or on the Bibles on the tables. All right, so here's Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. All right, so that's the practical application of what Paul's been saying. Uh, first, I want you to notice that in Paul's mind, he has not just presented a list of do's and don'ts. We covered this last week. It's not, all right, just be good. You know, because the, the passage right before this talks about, you know, don't do these things, rage and anger and lying and slander and, and lust. Uh, and then do these things, right? The compassion, the kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love. Uh, but, but these are not just mere ethics. He doesn't have in mind that you would just do these things. He's saying, you are a brand new person, right? You, you are this new community that's been shaped around Christ. Therefore, your whole life is impacted, right? There's no consideration for Paul for um, I will follow this religion by showing up to the weekly gathering, right? Or the daily gathering, you know, or, or, or twice a week or whatever it is as if like I participate in, in segments with Christ. He sees this is your whole life. Like he's going all the way down to, to your marriage, right? I mean, that, 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 that's, all, that's always, Right, you're never not married to to the person you're married to. You know, this isn't I go and I show up to church and I and I follow Jesus, but rather this is a whole life that has now been changed and shaped. And so he's going through examples of what that looks like. Um, One other consideration, uh, a famous passage we touched on it last week in Colossians three eleven. He says all those things that separate people and culture those things are dissolved in Christ. So this new community that we've been created in Christ doesn't have the same separators as the world would uh, want to put us in and relate to each other. Okay, well, I have a question, Paul. What happens outside of the church, right? In, in a world that, doesn't, that isn't this newly formed person in Christ, do, I, what, do, I, like, do those things go away? Paul's saying, no, 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 no. You're still gonna play those same roles that you had before with the same separators that won't exist in Christ. But here's how you do it. You do it in such a way that it's bent toward life in Christ. Here's Paul's main point. Let your life in Christ bend the culture around you. We're going to be involved in culture. We're going to be involved in culture that isn't restored and renewed the, the way that the church is, this picture of heaven on earth. So how, do, how are we supposed to live and navigate it? Well, just wherever you're at, whatever culture you're in, it's going to be bent towards a life in Christ. And then he gives us some examples of what he's trying to say. Um, now, a lot of people uh, see this teaching on wives and husbands and, and they get excited because they're like, oh, great, this is the secret to a good marriage. You know, it says, well, here, this is what I'm talking about, Right. Um, in 18 and 19, wives, submit yourselves to the husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. They say, I've got a great idea for a book, for a conference, for a retreat, for a series on how to have a perfect marriage. And that's wives, submit, husbands, love, bang, and here we go. But Paul is not actually constructing the ideal relationship here. Uh, he is just commenting on a, a, a social construct, a social uh, relationship and he's saying, how does that look when it's bent toward this life of Christ? Uh, And and I want to dig a little further into that. Uh, This passage isn't quite used as much, but in Paul's world, in this language, if you see wives submit yourselves to your husbands and husbands love your wives, you think a very patriarchal, hierarchical, patriarchal, hierarchical structure of marriage. And, And so people have sometimes thought that's what a Christian marriage should look like based on these teachings. So uh, It's usually not here. It's usually a partner passage in Ephesians that also gets talk, uh, pulled in with that. Uh, but, but Paul is not actually commenting on how Christian marriages should look. He's merely commenting on a social construct. I wanna give you a few reasons uh, If we were to say that in this section, see, Paul's talking about three relationships, right? Wives to husbands, children to parents, slaves to masters. If we were to say that Paul is constructing the ideal here for what it should look like, we'd also have to accept these other relationships as well, like slavery, right? That that slaves and masters should be relating to each other in these ways. And we'd have to say that Paul isn't just saying that uh, slavery is allowed in Christianity, but rather it's prescribed, this is what God's will is. Uh, most Christians, I don't know what, what a stronger most would be, like a almost all. I mean, I can't say everyone because you'll, you'll say, well, this person doesn't believe it. But most Christians interpret this passage about slavery, not as Paul saying, this is what it should be. He's commenting on a social relationship that was very much present in his day that would have applied to his listeners. And so we have to apply that exact same logic to these other two relationships that Paul's talking about. So the same way with wives and husbands, he's not trying to construct this is how it has to be, or this is the perfect way of doing things, but rather this is how it is. And, and it, because you are in relationships like this, here's how it's going to look bent toward Christ. Uh, also, if you start off with wives, submit yourselves to your husband's as is fitting in the Lord, if you think he's going to construct something uh, toward what should a marriage look like, you would anticipate that, okay, maybe he's talking here about authority structures, right? And who kind of gets maybe the last word or how we should be guided in our relationship. And so when he turns to husbands, you would expect him to say something about leadership. You do have leadership, you know, or uh, lead in a certain way, you know, or be good or uh, make sure you've got extra responsibility. But instead, Paul says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Uh, Paul is assuming that they have the authority. Do do you guys sense that here? Like, do not be harsh with them would be uh, perhaps a temptation for someone who does have authority over the wife. And so, but he's not saying that you should have authority or do that in a right way. He's saying, love them and don't be harsh with them. Uh, See, Paul doesn't make any comment on the social structure itself. He's not commenting on culture. He doesn't say it's good or bad. Now, look, he, he's not saying that this hierarchical structure of marriage is wrong, right? I mean, he's not arguing egalitarian, complementary. That's not Paul's concern at all. He is not constructing what a Christian marriage should look like. I mean, all these things that we, we bring to the table and say, well, how equal should it be in marriage? Paul's not even saying whether it's right or not. He's unconcerned about the rightness of these relationships, but he knows that the people are in these relationships, so he says whatever you're doing, it better be bent toward this new life in Christ, what it looks like. And then the last thing, he adds a little bit more reasoning uh, with the slaves to masters relationship. You know, I mean, these, he's just submit yourselves to your husbands, husbands loves your wives, children obey your parents. Uh, But he has this reasoning for why slaves should obey and work hard for their masters. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So here's a slave being put into an environment that is counter to what Paul has taught. There's no separation, right? In in 311, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And yet, You're a slave, so you find yourself in this position. How should you now operate within that social construct? And Paul says, you follow it, and you obey and you submit, not to the master, but you see your submission as an act of worship to God himself. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. He he wants to frame even our mindset of how we're living in our cultural context as a way that we can relate to and worship God, that we can be bent toward this life in Christ. So the question, well, the the main point is that our life in Christ will be bent to the culture around you. Uh, The question for us is how does this apply to us? on the one face value, we absolutely should apply it, right? Many of us are wives or husbands or parents, uh, probably not children. We already dismissed them. (laughs) Um, But but then uh, slaves or masters, it's not too big of a jump to see yourself as maybe an employee or as a manager at a company, and you can directly apply. Within marriage, we should submit to one another. We should love one another, Children should obey parents. Parents, you should not embitter or exasperate your children. Uh, if you're working at a company or if you owe someone your work or you're being paid for work, you better serve them as if you're serving Christ, work hard for them. And then if you are in the position of manager, you better do what's right and what is fair. Absolutely, those all apply on face value. But let's take it one step further because. Paul's point isn't just to say these are the three relationships that count, you know, or or these matter more than every other relationship. He's saying this new life that you have in Christ, that the new person that you are is your whole life. So everything, all roles that you have in society. And so now, okay, well, what other roles might we have, maybe that they don't have, uh, that we also need to be considering how can this be bent toward a life in Christ, uh, things like coworkers, or friends, or consumers, customers, um, spectators at a sporting event. We, can, we could probably go on and on, like fellow drivers on the road or, you know, whatever social settings where we're going to come into contact with other people, we also have to bring those before God and say, well, how should this, my participation in this be bent toward you? And here's where I think uh, there's a little bit of a barrier between what Paul's writing and our present situation. Uh, there were very defined roles. You know, the reason that he could say, husbands, wives, do this, you know, slaves, masters, do this, because the social constructs in that, that world uh, were very well defined. Uh, the roles that we have today are much less defined. Uh, one of the hallmarks of our culture today is that we don't want to have tradition, we don't want to have little boxes that tell us what we're supposed to do. One of our strong values as a culture is is I do what I want, you know, like uh, only God can judge me, right? Like, let, Like let me be me and express me as myself. Okay, well in that cultural setting where there's maybe ill-defined roles to play, right, where, where my marriage would look different than your marriage, right, my parenting would look different than your parenting. The way that I relate at work looks different the way that you relate at work. Uh, what would Paul write to us if there's not quite such defined roles? I don't know. I mean, he didn't write it, but here's what I think. I think he would do the same thing and not comment on culture. Fine, if that's, if that's your culture, you do what you want. No one can tell you what to do. No problem, do it. But when you're doing it, <laughs> make sure that it's bent toward a life in Christ. You know, so, so we don't have to worry about culture throwing away traditional values, whether it's from religion or secular. What we have to worry about is, is my participation in the world around me bent? tilted, formed, shaped, influenced, affected by this life in Christ that Paul has just described. We're going to take some time at the end of this to to think about that exact thing, uh, but I want to try to take a step forward. So Paul highlights these three things, these three relationships for a particular reason. Uh, With the wives and husbands, the children and the parents, slaves and the masters, uh, there's a power differential in, in those three Uh, Different relationships where uh, the male was definitely the head, the parents were definitely the head, the master was definitely the head. And so, what he's saying is very similar to everyone all three of those people who aren't in power, and all three of those people who were in in that power position. To the ones who didn't have power, the, the weak member of these relationships he says, Submit, obey, obey, work hard. Uh, language that would accept that this is a part of life and this is what's in front of me. Uh, He doesn't say that we're supposed to throw these away, uh, that we're supposed to even rebel, uh, but rather there's a a quiet submission and acceptance of this role. And in, in what he talked to the slaves, he said to view it as if you're working for the Lord. But to those in power, he, he almost wants to undermine their power or at least let them know that there's a responsibility that they have. They, they cannot view the other person as anything less than their equal. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them, right? It says nothing to what they should be bringing, you know, but, but you've got to love them, I guess, as an equal and, and can't be harsh. Parents or fathers, but it certainly applies to parents. Uh, don't embitter your children, so sure, you, you might have the authority, but that certainly doesn't mean that you, have, you can treat them as any less than you. Master, same way, do what is right and fair. You know that you also have a master in heaven. Uh, there is a role that you will play within life, but you have to play it within the mindset of what, well, what is life in Christ with everything being equal and there being none of those separators that we have. Okay, so for us then, what three relationships would Paul pick or, or where are those key areas if Paul wanted to highlight uh, these are the three that, that we should really be focused on for us, which, which are those? I think there's, I mean, there's multiple ways to answer it. I'll answer it in two ways and I'll give you guys an opportunity at the end. First, we can look at that Colossians 3.11 where it talks about there being no more barriers. None of those separators uh, exist in Christ, in this new life in Christ. Uh, these roles are opposed to that, right? Cultural constructs say that there are very, uh, very solid differences between these roles that we play in life. And so Paul says, well, right here, this doesn't reflect the kingdom. So let's make sure that we're doing it in a way that does reflect the kingdom. Uh, where in our life are there separators, right? Where we, oh, well, these people are those people, but I'm one of these people, you know, and there's a boundary between me and them. Uh, it's probably a lot you know, but politics, that's a real nice, fine Democrat or Republican one. Uh, luckily, we're not in a voting cycle, you know, so it's not quite as intense, but just give us another year, we'll be right there. Uh, but it doesn't just have to be who you're voting for, for president. It could be your, your philosophy on what's the best step forward for the local government or for school boards, uh, or your, your various priorities, or how vocal you are on certain issues, or how silent you are on other issues, that, that in our society, oh, you're one of them, I'm actually over here on this side. Uh, Whereas how do we participate when we come into contact with someone from the other side in order to be bent and shaped by this life in Christ? Um, Other spots, uh, it happens with social economic status still. uh, We white collar versus blue collar or the people that come in and clean after you go home for the day at work. Uh, How can your interactions with them demonstrate that that we are now equal in Christ, right? That there is no different. How can it be shaped by this new life that we have? in Christ. Uh, it could be ethnicities, uh, it could be immigrants, people that speak a different language. That's an absolute separator. You, I don't even understand the person. Okay, well, how can your interactions with that person be in such a way that demonstrates that you have this new life in Christ marked by compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, patience, forgiveness, love? That's what it looks like. Uh, and then the, the, other, the other way you can kind of answer this question is by saying, where are there those power differentials uh, within life? Um, or, or the reason why I think power differentials or those separators are what Paul highlights is because those are the relationships where culture would tolerate or maybe even encourage uh, less than ideal behavior. You know, so are there any places in our culture where we are encouraged or at least tolerated to do more of those don'ts, to act in anger or greed uh, or rage or to lie. And those, those relationships, let's put those on the table and look. Because at first I thought, I don't, I don't know. There's nothing there. But the more you think about it, you can come up with a ton of these, right? Like, okay, if someone cuts you off in traffic and they're, they're driving recklessly, they're at fault, not you, culture would say it's appropriate to honk, Right? And they would tolerate if you kind of maybe tailgated them for a little bit, right? Or or did something back to kind of like, hey, like, hey, watch it, bud. You know, like you did something dangerous to me, right? Whether it's verbal, whether it's uh, visual. (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. Some of you guys thought I was going to do it. You guys had your phones out like, we're going to get them on this one. No, or what if someone pushes you, right? It's in an argument and it, it goes from vocal to now being... Physical. ooh, you're allowed to push them back. Hey, settle down. Well, if they hit you, hey, you know, it's like, well, now I almost have a right to hit back. And if not, then I'm weak, or at least I'm admitting that I'm wrong. You know, it's like, okay, I was put in my place. It's like, no, no, no. If they were wrong, it's like, no, hey, you know, like, like, like let's go here. Like, I, I can stand up for myself, especially if I'm in the right. There'd be a couple examples. Uh, And to be honest, I've got a list of about 10 more of them. (laughs) You know, like, like, well, what if you believe something real strongly, religion, politics, something, uh, and someone else, uh, or I I wrote in here, favorite Pokemon. This is the one that I practice with uh, my sons on. And what if they say, no, you're absolutely wrong. Like, and, and they just disparage you, right? They absolutely tear you down. Can't believe you'd even believe that. You have a right to be like, well, time out. Like, what I believe is actually right and what you're believing is wrong and tell them Pikachu isn't all that strong as a massive type weakness against ground attacks, you know? And, and you could say in such a mean, Or look, there's a big game today, right? There's a big game today, Super Bowl. Uh, let's say you're rooting strongly for one of the teams and the refs make a terrible call right? Like, they, like, what are you doing? It is appropriate and perhaps even encouraged for you to disparage the ref, uh, perhaps even at a personal level. You know, like we've been there, like in, I mean, I've been there, goodness, I got, anyway, uh, <laughs> where, where it's appropriate or tolerated that you will treat someone as less than you, perhaps less than equal, when they've done something wrong to you, right? Like in a scenario where you are in the right and they're in the wrong, Culture says, well, you, you can let them know that they're wrong, and, and you can meet them however strongly they were trying to tear you down. You can tit for tat, you know? You can get them back however strong they did. Like, let's take it to the personal realm, right? None of us ever argue in our relationships or in our marriages. I understand, but let me just give you an example from my life. What if uh, my wife misinterprets my words or actions, and she says, what you said there, what you did there was not loving, and she says, you aren't loving, right? Now she's a- attacking and accusing my character. Culture would say, well, you better stand up for yourself, especially if you were misinterpreted. And so then you come back with, no, I'm not unloving. In fact, why are you questioning my integrity? And so you, you try to escalate to the same level and make sure that she knows it's dangerous to be making accusations against you that are false and are wrong. Our culture says that's okay. I think Paul might say that, that might be one that we want to look at. You know, that's, that's the type of area that we've really got to make sure that we're not following culture. We're being bent toward this life in Christ. Now we're going to take time at the end to go through some of these examples together and talk what does this look like but remember Jesus is the one who teaches if someone strikes you on one cheek to turn and offer them the other one as well something incredibly countercultural where even to our ears right we would say that doesn't make any sense you you shouldn't do that and yet that's what Paul is preaching here This is what it looks like so that in the way that we participate in culture, we will still have all the roles, right? We're not going to quit our jobs. We're not going to go create some commune in rural upstate New York or something like that and and then live in this harmonious environment together. No, we're going to be here. We're going to be here in Castle Rock in our jobs, which means there's going to be a whole lot of injustice. There's going to be a whole lot of situations that do not reflect the kingdom of God. How are we going to participate in that? Or we're gonna do it in such a way that we're bent toward Christ where the world sees, man, these people are different because they are stubborn in their desire to bring compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forgiveness and love everywhere that we go. And it's that sense that shows the world that there's a different way than just following culture, that that powerful magnet of culture can be overcome by something that's even greater and it leads to depths of peace and an abundance of life. And that's when we live truly in the life of Christ. All right, would you pray with me this morning? Dear Lord, uh, help us have courage to apply (laughs) your teaching in Colossians. Uh, We want the peace that you promise. Uh, We want the life that you have. We want to experience this heaven on earth that you have designed for us to enjoy. Uh, Help us see how that applies. Show us the roles in our life. Show us the areas uh, where we are hesitant to let your ethic influence and bend how we operate. I pray that you would catch us. I pray that even on little things, that that you would remind us that when we follow you, it's a whole life following. Um, That you want to make us a new person, not just give us little tips for how we can be a better person, uh, but that you actually are transforming us into what you desire us to be. We want this, Lord. I pray that you'd be powerful in us and break through our our barriers or our defenses where we don't want this to, to affect the areas of our life that we wanna hold for ourselves. Pray that you break it down because we know that your life is on the other side and that's what we're pursuing, that's what we want. We pray these things, Lord, in your son's name, amen. All right, here's the questions, and we do have some good time to, to ask them. What roles do you have in life? All of them. Just what, what are we talking about here from the same framework of Colossians 3? In what situations might our culture tolerate treating others poorly? Uh, come with some other ones. Where is there that temptation to perhaps not follow this ethic um, that Paul's preaching? And then lastly, how should life in Christ bend your cultural roles. Take those examples from the question one and two and say, what should it now then look like? You know, if culture is saying maybe it's okay to go over here, what would it look like if we respond with this radical compassion, gentleness, patience, love, forgiveness? Uh, Let's talk about these uh, among the tables. So gather around those or gather with your neighbors. Uh, We'll take about 10 minutes. I ask you to be bold and to talk about your life, not about life in general uh, or other people. Um, Try to to respond. Here's where I see a role for myself. The the payout from this passage is our ability to apply it to our own life and allow God to speak into our own lives. So let's take some time. I'll come back up and I'll dismiss this in a few minutes. All right. Hope you guys are having great conversations. Please feel free to stay and continue or wrap up whatever conversation you're having. Stay as long as you'd like, but I'll dismiss you guys here if you guys also have things to jump off to. Uh, As you go this week, be aware of how you're participating in culture and let your life in Christ bend your relationships with everyone you come into. Go this week in the peace of Jesus Christ.